Well, have you ever gotten into a situation where you thought to yourself, how in the world did I end up in this mess or in this place or in this situation? When I was in high school, either at the end of my sophomore year, kind of the beginning of my junior year, somewhere around that time, we were at um, one uh, track meet, soccer game, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't remember the event, but we were, a bunch of my friends and I were out, um, and then we ended up, like, probably won the game, and we went to the parking lot, and we just hung out, and we talked for, like, two hours, okay? Um, and then we decided, you know what, nothing else is open right now, so we're just going to drive to Target, and we're going to hang out there. Yes, I am. I love myself Target. However, as we were leaving, a car started approaching our cars, and we realized, well, we've been in the parking lot a little too long for this not to happen already, and we just see lights kind of turn on, and a cop approached our cars. Turns out it was Chris Osterhout that was driving up, and um, totally caught us by surprise. He ended up talking with us. He, he, actually, he came up to the window, and he's like, he kind of knocks on it. And we're like, oh, crap. Ah, like, I can't, ah, we can't do this. We can't do this. And then, you know, roll down the window. He's like, dude, James, what's up? And I was like, dude, this is awesome. It's Chris, man. Like, we are totally getting out of this one. And he was like, dude, what are you guys doing in the parking lot? I'm like, I don't know what we're doing in the parking lot, but we're leaving. He's like, yeah, you are. Get out of here. Yeah, get out of here, you rascals. And, like, just we went on our way. And we were like, wow, if we were any other people, we would be in it deep. But we weren't. And if you really think about it, my buddy Caleb and I, had we not, because that's who I was with, if we had not known Chris, we could have been in a way worse situation. Granted, we weren't really doing anything that bad. But at the same time, it kind of begs the question, had we been with other people, would something worse had happened? Had we not known Chris, would something worse had happened? All that to be said, it kind of, I know it's a weird, strange kind of moment of realizing the people you hang out with matter. And do the people they hang out with cause you to possibly go against what you believe in Christ? Or do the people that you hang out with cause you to walk away from Christ? Okay? Do they cause you to get closer to Christ? Do they cause you to pull away from Christ? Because if you're in Christ, you have life. And if you are not in Christ, you don't have life. And that's what we call the dichotomy of life together. Now, you may be wondering, what in the world is dichotomy? Dichotomy what? Dichotomy may be a big word, but it is defined as a division or contrast between two things that are or are represented as being opposed or entirely different. So when we say the dichotomy of life together, we are talking about two major different lives, one with Christ and one without Christ, okay? And that's what life together is all about, okay? As we examine this book, as we examine this series, we're going to see a major contrast. There's a lot of principles that can be applied whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. But first things first, before we even start examining this book, we have to understand, are we for Christ or are we against Christ? Do we live in a life that gives you life, or do we live in a life that sucks life out of you? Because remember, in that story, if Caleb and I were doing things that we shouldn't have been doing, 
we would have been easily caught. It would have been bad news for us. But Chris knew us. He knew we were just two teenage boys that usually go to youth group, and that's that. But in an alternate reality, had Caleb and I been living a life that wasn't producing good life, it was sucking out life, we were doing bad things, we were hanging out with the wrong people, our lives could have ended up so much differently. So regardless of what road we would have chose, there was probably like two scenarios that could have played out. But that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today in this passage, okay? Um, for 2 Corinthians, um, as Paul is addressing the Corinthians, he's like saying, hey, don't be associated with people who are not Christians. Now, that is not saying you can't have friends that are not Christians, okay? I want to clarify that first before we talk about anything else. Because if you don't have friends that aren't Christians, then how are you ever supposed to live out what Jesus says when he says, go out and make disciples, right? In order to make a disciple, you have to take someone from being a non-Christian to a Christian. So same thing here. It's okay to have people in your life that are not Christians. But are those the main people you're trying to draw life from? Are those the main people you're trying to do life together with? Because if so, I think this passage of scripture really tells us that's not what we should do. So verse 14 and 15, it says really clearly, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial, which is another word for Satan? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? See, Paul right here is very quickly making two major contrasts, light and darkness, Christ or Satan, believer, unbeliever. It's a dichotomy. He also uses this illustration of a yoke. If you don't know what a yoke is, I have a picture to show you what a yoke is. See that made, that, it's kind of blurry, but you see two ox and they have something over them, okay? That is what we call a yoke. It helps, it helps guide them, helps direct them. And we have two ox that are both equally strong. The yoke holds up really, really well. And they're both able to go at the same pace. They can hold each other up. And in the sense of the Christian life, when you are walking side by side with someone who's just as strong as you, you're doing really well. You have the yoke, and it's easy to guide, it's easy to walk with, and you're doing well and great. However, Paul says don't be unequally yoked. And so this is what it looks like to be unequally yoked. You're dragging this other, other person along. You're dragging this person who's weak along with you. So to be unequally yoked as a Christian means that you are the strong ox that's standing up. But unequally yoked, the other person is a non-believer. They're not strong in their faith. And they're just dra- you're just dragging them along. Or they're dragging you back. And Paul is saying, don't be unequally yoked. Because in all honesty, why would you want to be? And like I said, we want to be friends with people who aren't Christians. We want to share the word, the good news with everybody. But do we want them to be our source of life? No. Because as a Christian, we have to think about it in a few ways. We were put on this earth to be in relationship with Christ. If you're being unequally yoked and you're being tethered down and someone, you're having to drag someone else with you, you're not going to be walking really close with Christ very well. You're supposed to become holier and pursue God. It's not going to be easy to pursue God if you're just dragging someone else around with you. So you want someone who's strong that can do and bear all the hard things that life throws out at you with you. 
I think I'd be lying. I think all of you think I'd be lying if I said that life isn't hard. Life throws different things at you, whether it's the like death in a family or maybe you're struggling with anxiety, depression, whatever it may be. Life is not necessarily easy. So you want someone who's going to come alongside you and they're going to do life with you super strong. They're going to attack it head on with you and they're not going to be someone that you're just dragging along with you. A weak ox or a non-Christian trying to do life together is a drag. And for a non-Christian, if you're a non-Christian in this room, why would you want to necessarily do life with a Christian? I'm not saying that we're awful people or anything like that. We're fun people, great people. But sometimes they're going to be dragging us around because we're, if we're strong believers, we're going to be listening to all the rules per se, okay? And when you want to go do fun things that don't really matter, we're going to be saying, no, nah, I don't really want to. And you're going to be like, dude, come on. You're like a party kill. Like, I just want to go do fun things. And you're saying no all the time. Why would you want that? So it's this dichotomy. It's this major difference. Why would you want to do life together with someone who's majorly different than you are? Now, I've told you guys about the story of the time I went and crossed the bridge, and then my friend almost died, and then we walked uh, home really strong and really scared, right? Well, it almost happened again. So I was, I was hanging out with my friends, just the two of us, uh, or the three of us, and we went... Um, we just went and hung out, and we we're going to have like a sleepover, right? And like around 2 in the morning, all my friends called up some girls, and I was like, oh, no, like this cannot go good. I'm a freshman in high school, hanging out with girls at like 2 in the morning is like a big no-no, right? And so they did it, and they called them up, and they were like, hey, we should go walk across the bridge. I'm like, guys, it's like 2 in the morning. Come on. We can't just walk across this bridge right now. They said, yes, we're going to do it. And James, if you don't want to, you're a party kill. And I said, well, I'm going to be a party kill today. And so I sat in the house alone, and I looked at my life and said, wow. I'm a major buzzkill. I just wish I wasn't as big of a buzzkill as they're making it seem like I am. All that to say, they went and they hung out at the bridge and I was left home alone at a house that wasn't even mine and it was really weird. But from that day forward, I realized I don't want to live this life with them anymore. Or I don't want to be a Christian anymore because that means I can't go do all these fun things with them. So me, not being very smart, I said, you know what? I don't want to live for Christ anymore. I want to go live with them. So every single time that they said, James, come on, it was, a, it was always this routine of, James, come on. And I said, I don't know. And they said, come on, do it. And I said, okay, I'll go do it. And my life quickly became not for Christ because I associated with people who were weak, and they just dragged me down with them. And I'm here to tell you today, that's not a fun life. Because although I thought that life was great, that life was fun. It was amazing. I was always trying to be approved by people who were way weaker than I was. And I'm not saying that these people are non-believers or like donkeys or like, they're not like, we're not going to call them animal names. We're not going to call them anything like that. But in this sense of like faith, if you're a strong Christian and they're not a Christian at all, that means they have weak faith. And if we're living life only for Christ, we want to do it with people who are also super strong in their faith. We want those people to be our main go-to. We want those people to be the ones who are speaking life into our life. We want those people to be the ones who call us out when we mess up. But they say, you know what? I'm here with you. I'm doing life together with you. It's okay if you mess up because I'm right there with you. The people who bring you down don't care. They're, they only care about their insecurities. 
just like you do too. But the beauty of doing life together with strong believers, the strong ox per se, is that they're pursuing the one true God who's not going to reject them. And in this passage alone, I'm going to wrap it up really quick, but God offers us three promises here. The first one is he will make his dwelling amongst you. Doing life together with other believers, God promises he will make his dwelling amongst you. That means he will always be with you. He's always faithful. And then always, er, also, as he makes his dwelling amongst you, as he's faithful with you, he wants you to make, make your body a temple. One that wherever you go, people see the light of the world inside you. Not darkness per- perverting you. Everything that you do, everything that you are, God wants to shine through you. But when we hang out and we are influenced by the people who are weak oxes, sorry, I should really stop calling them oxes, they weigh you down and you no longer shine. You're just a pit of darkness that no one gets to see Jesus through. The second one, the second promise is that he welcomes us. I don't know about you, but it always sucks or maybe this isn't you, and maybe I'm just a loner, but it always sucks when you go to like maybe like a party or a little get-together, and you're not welcomed by people there. You just walk in, and you're like, hey, guys, and they're like, I didn't even notice James was here, and you're like, oh, okay, I feel a little embarrassed now, and then it's even worse when no one else is there with you. When I was little, I went to this birthday party, okay? I was like six years old, so it's like a long time ago. I'm still holding the grudge, but still, it applies to today. I went to this birthday party, and the guy there, the birthday boy, it made sense But when he got all his presents, he went up to his room and just started playing with him and left all of us out there. Except everyone else knew each other and I just didn't know anybody. And so I was kind of sat, like, I just sat in the corner, like, twiddling my thumbs. I'm like, what do I do now? Like, do I go play Minecraft with him upstairs? Do I just sit here and just kind of play it cool? Like, what do I do? I'm like six years old, contemplating all these things. No matter what, I just didn't feel welcomed. And I had no one else there to help me navigate the waters in which I was in. But here's the thing, in the life together with strong believers, God always welcomes you. He will always bring you into his house. And even if you don't have anyone that you come with, he'll provide other people to come alongside you. You'll say, hey, here's this person. They're also my son. They're also my daughter. Come alongside them. That's the beauty of life together. He welcomes you in. And if you don't have anybody, he will bring someone alongside you to do life with. Because the, here's the third, third and final promise. He will be a father to you. He will also be a father to everyone who says yes to him. And the beauty of that is, is in the Christian faith, we believe that that father sent his only son to die for every single one of you. And the beauty and the hardest part of Christianity is that we have to realize, I need that savior. It's hard to realize I can't do it on my own, but it's a beauty to realize, okay, someone was provided for me. And I can say yes to that. I don't have to throw a pity party and realize I'm never going to measure up to my friends. No matter what I do, I'm never going to be able to impress them enough. But you know what? God the Father sent his son to die for you so you could have eternal life. And he always will accept you. It doesn't matter where you are. He will always accept you. So maybe you were like me and you chose people that were not Christians. 
and you're trying to figure out, okay, should I be friends with them still or should I not? I urge you to look at these three promises and realize, let's do life together with the people around me here in this room. And maybe you're like, dude, I already have those awesome friends. I'm great. Good for you. Go find other people to befriend. Youth group should not just be a place where it's only our people and we're going to just do life together. Bring other people into that life with you. And maybe you're not a believer and maybe you're like, dude, why should I follow this Jesus guy? Because unfortunately, I think the ways of the world don't care about you. But I know someone who did. And he showed it to you by dying on the cross for you. Two years after that incident with me in the parking lot, I, um, my friend Caleb and I kind of split ways for a bit, and I w- ended up leaving him for like a girl, and, which was really stupid. But, um, I, and, I, and then I acted really stupid because I didn't have any like good, solid Christian people pouring into me. And so because of that, I just walked away from Jesus pretty much all together. Like, yeah, like I went to church. I led like this thing called FCA, but I still like on the inside, I was like, I don't care about God. I don't care about doing life together with other people. And really quickly, I realized no one cares about me. They only care about themselves. And when that girlfriend eventually didn't work out and I messed up in so many unexplicable unexplicable ways with her and I was a jerk and an idiot and whatever you want to call it I knocked on my friend Caleb's door and we went down and we sat in um, like his living room area and I was like dude I did all these things man and I threw you out of my life I'm sorry one can you forgive me but two can you help me because I don't have anyone and he just looked at me and was like dude you did mess up. <laughs> I was like, dude, thanks for calling me out. I appreciate it. But he's like, of course, I'll take you back. I'll always take you back, man. Let's just grow together. Love Christ like he loves you, like he loves me, man. And he just took me and he embraced me like a good friend that loves Christ will always do. And this is a picture of us later that summer. Ignore my long hair and just a lack of beard. So that's my buddy Caleb right there. Shh. That's my buddy Caleb right there. And that's the summer after our senior year um, where we went to this camp and just like we had cry night where basically all my biggest like sins and everything were exposed and Caleb was right there just right by my side. He's like, bro, I got you. And I was like, bro, I got you too. Thanks for get- getting my back. I got your back. And we just started doing life together. And we would call each other. When we were at school and he was like all the way in Indiana and I'm all the way here, we'd call each other. We did life together. He strengthened me, I strengthened him. It's the best relationship you could ever have. We were just pouring out everything we could ever want to each other. Thanks. And then here's another picture. That's him by my side. Shh, listen. That's him by my side on our, my wedding day. He was my best man, and it was just really cool to see, okay, God, I didn't have anybody, but you brought someone and put him right by my side, and we did life together, and we still get to do life together, and although I was broken and didn't have anybody, he said, here you go. I welcome you into my house, 
And now you guys get the chance to do life together with one another. I'm going to pray really quick. And then we're going to talk about small groups really quick. And then you guys are going to go to small groups. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your love. I thank you for your unconditional, sacrificial love that pursues us when no one else did. Yet you pursued us when we were lost. You pursued us when we were broken. You gave us people when we don't deserve it to lead us back to you, to give us new life, to provide clarity, to provide new hope, Lord. We thank you for everything you do. I pray that as we enter small group time, that we would just be okay with being vulnerable and being okay with just sharing. And even if it's not much, Lord, I just pray that you would use this time to strengthen each other. It's in your name we pray, amen.